0: Hey, today we start a new series, and let me remind you a couple things. One is, on your chair is our growth guides. Uh, We've been kind of on a break from the growth guides, because our our growth groups have been on a little bit of a break, and so go ahead and pick up a growth guide and use that. We encourage you to take a few notes today, and then it's a a study at home guide for you, and then... um, take it to your growth group. And so you want to be using that. Also, before I get into the message, I want to thank Steve. Where's Steve at? I know you're here, Steve. Steve DeVries back in the back. Steve preached for us last week. Did a great job. Um, It's nice that uh, God has blessed us with some people in our church that have the gift to teach and preach. And and Steve and I have been talking about ministry and some things he's seen in his years of ministry in the mission field and what they've done, some things in their church, how we apply to church. So we've been wrestling some ideas. One thing is for surely true. I didn't want to preach through the series we went through last month during the month of January on Reach One and just figure, okay, we have it conquered. Because truth is, it takes us learning more, practicing more, talking about it more. That's why we have the Reach One initiative on Facebook. Encourage you to be part of that group. But also, we're going to offer what we call an evangelism training seminar. Steve's going to be leading. I may help in some of that, but basically Steve's going to be leading that. And so I want to encourage you to sign up in the lobby. Sign up online. I would say that all of us probably could use some help in the idea of how do I share my faith? How do I talk about Jesus to other people? How do I do that? in a way that is effective for today's culture. And so this will be a great five-week seminar to engage in. Uh, and, I, and I hope that class is packed out. One of our values here at Centerpoint, part of our mission statement, is that we connect with those who are disconnected. We help those who are far from God, those who have wandered from God, those who are new into a community, and we help them get connected to God. And so this evangelism training seminar is going to help us be more effective at that. Um, with that thought, today's message is kind of, I'm calling it a bridge message, really. It's the launch of this new series that we're going to do called Power. But it's really a bridge message between what we did in January and, and where I want to go. And, and here's the thing, you see, I'm, I'm trying to be real intentional this year in our messages that they hone in real tight and real focused on who we are as a church and what we are trying to accomplish as a church. And our mission says that we connect people with Christ, center their lives on Jesus, so they expire life change that comes only from the Holy Spirit. So we work hard on the first two things, the connecting and the centering lives on Jesus. And then when that happens, life change starts to happen. And so January is all about connection. But here is the truth of the matter, that if we're going to do that, then we have to be centered upon Christ. And we won't be effective doing that if our own lives are not centered upon Jesus Christ. You remember the goal that with God's help and my church's support, I will do my best to reach one. With God's help. Will you say God's help? With God's help and my church's support. Say my church's support. I'll do my best. Say my best. My best, with God's help and my church's support, I'll do my best to reach one. And so we we're not going to say, well, we preach that in January and I'll move on to something new. We preach that in January, and so throughout the year we're going to tag back to go, okay, remember the goal we're trying to work towards that this year. And so if we're going to do that, then we're going to look to God. God, I can't do this by myself. We're going to look to my church. Hey, help me out. I want to do this. And then we're going to do our best to, to be engaged in that. We said we need to identify one. I asked you to put a list together and have a list of some names in prayer that you pray and say, God, uh, here's three, four, five, six, eight, ten, ten names. Lord, I'm going to pray for them regularly. And Lord, I'm going to ask you to use me some way in their journey to make a connection with you. That, uh, that you're going to use me in some way, Lord, to help, to help them know you you have your list? If I walked up to you and said, show me your list, do you have it? Some have a list. I, I tell you, if you don't have a list and you think it's just in your head, you probably won't do it. You got to write it down. Take out your phone, put a note in your phone, put it in your Bible, put a little note in there and say, man, here, here's my top three. Here, here, here's my list. Bobby, Lisa, Paul, and Roger are my top four that I'm praying for, and they're in my phone, and I'm praying for them. Got to have them. You got to have a list. You got to have a list. You're praying for God. I want to identify one, and then I'm going to invite one. What are you going to invite him to? Most of the time we think, well, invite him to church. Well, maybe. The invite might be, hey, come on over. Let's have a sandwich together. Let's grill out some steaks together. Let's grill out some burgers Hey, let's go eat dinner together. Maybe it's just I'm going to invite into a relationship so we start talking. And then maybe those, those conversations will become conversations around the gospel, around Jesus, around matters that are more important. But we invite them in to just get, just get to know them. And then maybe eventually it is, hey, come to church with me or come to my growth group with me or, hey, come to this Bible study with me. Yesterday... Felix Brown was baptized, nine years old, and they had a celebration here, and I thought it was really cool. Here's a perfect example invite. I forgot to share this first service, but Felix just has some some challenges where he's never put his head underwater because he's terrified of that, and so we discussed how do we do that, and he said, I'm going to do it. But so he didn't want to do it in front of everybody because he thought, if I get scared, and i back out, <laughs> you know. So they invited friends and family, small group, and over 40 people came here yesterday for Felix to be baptized. Some were uh, small group people, some were Bible Bowl people, some were previous church, some were just people they've met in various walks of life, and, and, and some were not even Christians. And Felix got in the water, and he said, I believe in Jesus, and he was baptized, and his whole head went under water, and he never freaked out. First time ever... First time ever to do that. And I told my dad, I said, I think if you just, you know, you dip him back get his hair, wet, God understands what's going on Felix, right? But he said, I'm going to do it. Never had put his face in the water at nine years old. And then there's 40 people who went. So they invited friends and relationships, and they came, and they, they saw that. What a testimony. And so we invite people to things like that that are special in our life. And, th- and then we connect with people. We connect them what? We connect them to a church. Why? Because we said if we're going to invite people into a relationship with Jesus, we don't want them to just come into this relationship and then say, okay, now now you're saved. Now go on your own. No, we want them to grow in Christ. We want to mentor them. We want to disciple them. We want to help them become full disciples of Jesus Christ. And so we connect them into the lifeblood of the church. And then last week, Steve kind of tied a bow on all of it and said, let's learn one simple way to share our faith. And he used the bracelet analogy and I have mine on. We have some more in the back if you haven't got one. Or you say, I need a couple more because I maybe I shared this week. And the idea is you share your faith with someone and then you give them a bracelet And then they're thinking about that and they're looking at that going, man, that gold reminds me about heaven. And I I want to get to heaven. And that black reminds me that, you know, I have some sin. I have some darkness in my life. And that red reminds them that Jesus died on the cross. And that white says, man, when I believe in Jesus, I can be as pure as snow. And then that green is now I grow in Christ. And when you've told that to somebody and then you give them that bracelet, they start thinking about that. And they, they wear it and they go, they know what that's about. That's a seed that was planted. And you get a chance to water that and chance to grow that. And so Steve shared on that topic last week. And now we've come into this bridge, into this series today. Here's what I truly believe is, is exactly accurate to Scripture. That in order for us to be most effective, in order for us to be most effective at reaching people, then we must live out our three main purposes of life. We must, church. Live out our three main purposes of life. Now, turn your Bibles to Mark 12. You're not going to see it on the screen because you can see I'm going to use the screen as a whiteboard today. So Mark chapter 12, you see our three purposes. Now, for some of you in this room, you're going to say, well, Brian, you've done this before. Yes, I have. And I'll do it again and again and again because the longer I preach, the more I believe what I'm going to show you today to be absolutely true. And basically everything that we do in our walk with Christ kind of just just feeds off of what I'm going to teach you today. Someone sent me this week when they heard that I was going to be doing something along this lines, they said, Brian, you've done that before. I said, I have, but have we all captured it and are we all living it? And the way we really get good is we hear it and then we try to put it in practice and we hear it again and, and you have to retrain. It's like when I was shooting basketball and, and playing ball a, a, as a child and playing high school basketball. I didn't shoot one layup and make it and they go, good, you got it conquered. It was over and over and over, and UK needs to practice over, and and sorry, had to slide that one in there, they're they're struggling a little bit. It was repetition, and I was showed over and over, here's how you shoot it. So we in the church world sometimes are so good about, well, here's a topic or here's a thing, now let's just move on to the next thing. No, 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 we got to back up. We've got to be retaught, we've got to be refocused, got to hear it again, and the more we hear it eventually, sometimes it'll click. So for some of you, you're like, okay, Brian, you're going to show me something I've seen before, and maybe you'll be real participatory participatory today um, because I need you to do that. Hey, um, there it is. I thought I left something, Dustin, for a second. Got it. Um, For others of you, this will be the first time you hear this, or the first time you hear it put together in a way I'm going to show it to you. And I just encourage you to stop and ponder and think on it and really say, okay, God, what does, what does that mean for me? So look at Mark chapter 12, verse 30. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. You see, in that, there are three purposes. Now, if you remember the text and what's going on, Jesus is being tested by some of the religious leaders and they're trying to trick him up. Jesus, you know, which is the greatest law? You know, there's, there's over 600 laws in the Old Testament. Of course, you've got the Big Ten and the Ten Commandments. And so, out of all these laws in here, which is the greatest? And Jesus is like, let me keep it simple for you. Three things. What does he say? Love who? He says, love God. Number one, First and foremost, our purpose on earth is to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. That's number one. Number two, he says what? Love who? Love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Everybody's your neighbor. Your wife is your neighbor. Your child's your neighbor. Your neighbor, your of fence line is a neighbor. Your neighbor in your neighborhood is your neighbor. Your boss is your neighbor. Uh, your mother-in-law is your neighbor, whether you like it or not. Your father-in-law is your neighbor. I mean, people you interact with are your neighbor. Right, so we love our we love our neighbor. There's a there is a third love in there that many times we miss. What's the third action of love? The third purpose? What? We love ourself. Now, many times we miss that because we don't want to actually dive in and hear that because we think love self. We think, oh, look at I'm so good. And we think of self-love as being a prideful love, an arrogant love. That's not what this is talking about. This is an identity love that you know who you are in Christ. And that when you know who you are in Christ, you start to love yourself with your your hang-ups and your hurts and your good and your bad and your personality parts that you like and the personality parts you don't like. You start to love yourself and say, you know what? This is how God made me. And in Christ, this is who I am. And so you get over identity, Christ, because you know that you're loved by the greatest of all, and that's Jesus Christ. We know that because he told us, God told us, he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And he said, I love you that much. And so we come to that identity and go, you know what? Even when my friends don't love me or my spouse doesn't love me or I feel unlovable, to have that self-love to go, I know that I'm good because I know God loves me. And so those three purposes have to be in line. Here's what happens is when we're not living out those purposes of loving God and loving our neighbor and loving ourselves, then what starts to happen is we won't even think about reaching out to a friend who needs love. We won't even think about that because if I'm not pursuing God and loving God, then I'm not going to hear his voice to say, love your neighbor this way. I'm not going to hear his voice to say, go do this kind act to somebody, because I'm not loving God, and so I'm not going to even think about loving my neighbor. And then if I don't love myself, how can I possibly lead someone to a God of love when I don't have that identity in Christ? So this is so crucial that we get this down. Now, those purposes are under attack all the time, all the time. And, and the attacker, the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy is Satan. And many times we think about Satan as using these big old things of life to attack us. But the truth be told is, I think Satan just uses everyday life to come after us. He just uses everyday life. Now, stop and think with me for a moment about life. I like to call it the wheel, the wheel of life. Because the wheel of life keeps on rolling on and on and on, and every single one of us in this room have a lot of things that are very similar that we deal with. Think with me for a moment. Let's do a little interaction here. What are some things that all of us in this room probably deal with? Okay. You had to do that to me, Nick. First service, they said money. I like that because I can't spell finances on the fly. I don't have spell (laughs) check. So we're going to do money, okay? I need spell check. Kids, okay, so if, you, if you're a parent, right, you're dealing with kids, raising kids, feeding your kids, um, loving your kids, not killing your kids, uh, <laughs> right? All of us, you have kids, you're dealing with that, okay? What else do maybe a lot of us deal with? What would you say? Jobs or work, somebody said, yep, I like that. Job, um, do, do I have a job? Does my job pay me enough? Yesterday I heard a story about a lady that... Um, had been working at the same location for 30 years. She's been out of work for some health stuff, and they fired her. 30 years. That can hit any of us at any time. You think, oh, man, I'm all secure. Things are going great. Not in today's economy. There's not many lifetime jobs anymore. And some of you have been through that ringer in the last two, three, four, five years, going, yeah, now my income is way reduced, and now it's affecting money. What else? Health. Health is a big one. Um, had a lady talk to me first service about some health challenges she's walking through and it just breaks your heart to hear about the, the health challenges people walk through. And you never know, it could be today that all of a sudden you have a, a health challenge. Uh, I was sitting at a training yesterday and the one lady sitting across the table was 31 years old and in the best health ever she ever could uh, be in and she had a stroke five years ago. You just don't know when health's going to just fail you, or or when it's gonna when it's gonna hit, and if you live long enough, it's gonna hit you in some way. If it doesn't hit you personally, it's gonna hit somebody you know. It's gonna happen. What what other kind of things do we deal with in the, in the scheme of life? Church, okay, sure, absolutely. Um, if, you're, if you believe in faith, which I assume we all do because we're in this room, right? You're going to have church. Do I serve here do I serve there? Do I go to this? Or do I not go to that? Sometimes church can become a distraction to your relationship with Jesus. Let me slow down and say that again. Sometimes church can become a distraction to your relationship with Jesus. Because we think, oh, I'm busy, 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 doing, 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 doing. and In the meantime, I've lost my connection with talking with God. It's a major uh, hazard of being in the ministry full-time. Because we can think as preachers, well, I'm doing this every single day, God. And God continually is telling me, Brian, I want you personally. I want a relationship with you personally. And so if you're serving in ministry, you've got to check that all the time because it can get in the way of your walk with God. What else comes to your mind when you think about the wheel of life? What would you say? Relationships, spouse, okay? So relationships, um, Your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your boss, your relationship with your neighbors. I mean, a lot of things tie into relationship. And so this wheel of life is going to roll. And it's going to roll and roll and roll until the day that we go and see Jesus. And so all of us have a choice. All of us have a choice, again putting this wheel back up here for a second, every single one of us have this choice of this wheel. And you think about, just remember the last picture, we have all this stuff that's happening inside of it. All of us have this choice of how are we going to manage life? How are we going to hold it together? What's going to be the hub of that wheel? We know that on our car, if the hub falls apart and the middle part falls apart, the the car is going to really be messed up. And so all the spokes on a bike even lead right, right back to the middle, to that connecting point. So what's the connecting point? Well, we have a choice. We can say me, myself, and I, one choice is us, just myself. That I, I'm just going to lean upon myself, I hold this together. I'm going I'm to look at my mom and dad and say, well, mom and dad taught me this. Uh, I, I like that part and I don't like this part. I'll keep the good and throw away the bad. Some will say, well, what about uh, my neighbor? My neighbor teaching me this. My friend teaching me this. I'm going to use my own mind. Whatever I think about, then that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to manage life on my own. And what many people have discovered is I've tried that and it doesn't work. I've, ha- I've had people come to me sometimes at 30 and 40 and even 50 years old and go, say, Brian, I've been trying life all by myself and it's not working. And see, God has a better plan for us. God has a better plan for us, and we find that plan in John chapter 14. Turn over to John chapter 14 with me real quick. John chapter 14, Jesus is getting ready to leave this earth, and he tells his disciples, he's trying to be, bring comfort to them as he's talking with them and sharing with them. He's talking about, okay, remember what the, the, the way to the Father is? The way to the Father is through me, he says, through Jesus. And then he comes along and says, listen, you're not going to be left alone. I'm leaving this earth, but I'm not going to leave you high and dry. Look what the scripture says, John chapter 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. Man, that's a whole sermon right there. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. In other words, if you really say that you honor me with your life, then you better do what I tell you to do. You'll obey what I command. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. What's he going to give us? A counselor, it says. He's going to give us a counselor to be with you. And he calls it the spirit of truth. Now jump down to verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, hear that? The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. So what does he tell us? He says we have an opportunity to have a better center of life. The Holy Spirit. He says to the disciples, you're a follower of mine. I'm going to go sit at the right hand of the Father. But I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to talk to Dad. He says, I'm talking to Dad. And I'm asking Dad then to send this helper, this comforter, this counselor. You stop and think about that. That Holy Spirit is inside of you if you're a believer in Jesus. And that Spirit that was with the disciples is the same Spirit that we have inside of us. That when we receive Christ as our Savior, we're baptized, we're told we receive the Spirit that indwells and lives inside of us, and he wants to do counseling. What's the counselor do? He encourages, a counselor listens, a counselor guides, a counselor instructs, a counselor is, is wisdom, and he says that counselor will be wisdom for you and wisdom for me. And so, when we think about the idea of loving God and loving our neighbor and loving ourselves, but then life is thrown at us, dealing with money or dealing with kid raising or Dealing in a relationship, all that could get distracted. And so Jesus says, I'm not leaving you alone. You have the Holy Spirit to live inside of you who will counsel and teach and comfort you. I think it's a great promise. That's a promise of hope. But now don't miss this though. Look back at verse 26. Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you just a couple things. Is that what it says? Holy Spirit, who will come, will teach you, what does it say? All things. All things. And then it goes on and says, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So he's going to teach us, and then he's going to remind us. So when you study the scriptures, he's teaching us, and then also when you're not even in front of the Bible, then he reminds you, oh, remember what my word says? And if He'll teach us all things, and we truly believe that we can have a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, and He'll teach us all things, that means He will teach a husband how to lay down his life for his wife. And He will teach a wife how to respect her husband. And He'll do that for us that means he will teach you if you're a business owner and you'll take the time to say lord i am trying to do this business and i need your help and you sit and get quiet he probably give you some direction on your business that he will that means as a mom and dad who are raising your children in we're not done yet i know that um i guess you're never done but we, we, are, we are on the, moving to, to the end of the teenage years. Let me say we're moving towards that direction. And, and what I've learned in parenting is it changes every other day sometimes. And when they are three and four and five, you're ready to pull your hair out. And when they're seven, eight, and nine, you're ready to pull your hair out. And when they're 10, 11, 12, you're ready to pull your hair out. And when, you're 14, when they're 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, you're still ready to pull your hair out. Yeah, you do that to me as she's sitting over here. But what you learn is you go, God, I don't know what I'm doing as a parent. Will you help me? He says, sure, here's some wisdom. And sometimes that wisdom comes through the Scripture. Sometimes that comes from a, a Christian who has walked the line ahead and say, Hey, have you thought about this? Hey, that's, you're making that a big deal. It's really not that big of a deal? You know, or, or, hey, just calm down or, or think about this. And they bring you better perspective because that Holy Spirit will teach you all things. Be a husband, be a wife, be an employee. Oh, there's a good one. Uh, most in this room, you're probably an employee. You're probably not an owner. And chances are you get frustrated with your bosses. You get frustrated with ownership. You get frustrated with the corporate setup, right? And if I believe this will teach me all things, and it teaches me all things, how can I be a good employee even when I don't like it? How can I be a good employee even in a business that sometimes just drives me absolutely crazy? How can I be a good employee even when I don't love my work? You say, Lord, teach me. Teach me all things. See, we start getting this all things down. Then when you're walking through the health challenges, you're going, I'm going through something totally new. Lord, walk with me. Teach me what I need to know right now. And he walks with us in those journeys and he starts to teach us all things, all things. Now... back with me just for a moment here. Those purposes in your life. Stop and look at them just for a moment. Love God. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. Just do a little heart evaluation right now. Where's God ranking in this love quote in your life? See, because here's what can happen is... We can very get blase, blase in our walk with Christ. Oh, I go to church. Oh, we sing a few songs. Ah, oh, yeah, he preaches a message. Go home. Oh, I'll go to the next Bible study. It, it takes us being active to love God. Loving our neighbor. We can get so self-centered. We live in a very self-centered society. Would you not agree? Take care of me, myself, and I. As long as I'm good, and I'm all good. You know, my neighbor, eh, maybe. And then loving self, that's a tough one. Be honest with ourselves. That's a tough one. No matter what stage of life you're in, to accept yourself as a teenager, accept yourself as an elementary kid, to accept yourself as a young mom, to accept yourself yourself as a husband, and and go, you know what? In God, I'm going to keep loving Him, but I can love myself because I know who I am in Christ. That's a tough one. So the trick is learning then. The trick is learning how do we do this so that we walk with this Holy Spirit. How do we walk with this Holy Spirit so He guides us? Now, here's one verse. Last one. 1 John. Okay, this is kind of a blow-your-mind type verse. 1 John 2.6. Look what it says. Whoever claims to live, whoever claims to live in Him him as Jesus, whoever claims to live in Jesus must walk as Jesus did must walk as Jesus did. So if you claim to live in Him, and as you say, I believe in the death, I believe in the burial, I believe in the resurrection, I believe that His Son was sent to the cross to die for me, and His blood covers my sin, I believe in that. And He died on the cross and conquered the grave, I believe in that, and He is my Savior. So if you claim Him, then the call is that we walk as Jesus did. That's pretty high calling, isn't it? That's a very high calling. We can walk as Jesus walked. But as we go on this series and we learn that we can walk as Jesus walked, we are going to learn that we can actually do what Jesus did. Do you believe that? Some of you are with me. Some of you are looking at me like, "Uh, I'm not sure about that, Brian. And here's the other thing that blow your mind won't get the Scripture today. Not only do we walk as Jesus walked and we can do as Jesus did, we are told that we will do even greater things. Greater things than Jesus. Now, hold on a minute, preacher. Wait a minute. I'm not Jesus. Nope, you're not. And neither am I. But he says we can walk like he and we can do what he did and we can do even greater things. That's mind-blowing to think I can do greater things than Jesus. Yep, we're going to go on this journey and discover how. But here's the the key here. This word says walk. It doesn't say sit down on your fancy and your lazy boy with your feet up, with your hands rested across your belly, and going, I'm going to be good just like Jesus. Because this is what our society does many times. We sit around on our lazy boys getting fat and lazy spiritually. Sorry, it's the truth. It's the truth that we need to hear. We receive the word, receive the word, receive the word, preach the word, sing the word, go to a Bible study, receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it. We're supposed to give it out. And when we learn how to walk as Jesus walked, we start, it starts oozing out of us, so then we need to receive. See, we, we should not be like the Dead Sea. One way in and then everything stops and dies. We're supposed to receive it and then be like a healthy body of water where it receives water and then it passes it on down and down through and the way we do that is we learn to walk as Jesus walked so that we can do as Jesus did and so that we can even do greater things and so for like the next six weeks we're gonna go on this deeper dive and I've called the series power because all of us could go have more power of God in our lives could we not All of us could go deeper with God, I believe. All of us could let the roots just go go a little bit deeper so we're not surface roots. You know what happens to a tree with surface roots? The winds come and it blows it over. We want our roots to go deep. And as we go deep with God, He'll do amazing things in us. And this idea of reaching out to somebody will just become so natural. It'll just happen. Because it will be oozing right out of us to show who we are in Christ and the work that He does through us. So church, we're going on a journey. I want to invite you to go with me. I want to ask you to make it a high priority. Don't, don't, don't skip church. I'm so glad you're here today. I said the same thing first service. It's so easy on a day like this, kind of cold, a little snowy. You get up and see a snow coming down. Oh, we're saying today, it's, you know, it's wet out there. It's so easy to do that. And you all said, no, we're going to come to church. We're going to hear what God has to say to me today. And I believe He has you here on purpose. But make it a high priority. Someone asked me one time Brian, in the weather, man, when will we cancel? Hardly ever. I'm from Michigan, okay? So if you hear them announce and say, um, we're on a level two emergency or level three or whatever they call, stay off the roads, okay, we won't have church. Other than that, we're having church. And you know, we'd do the same thing. We would get to our jobs. We would get to our ball games or activities. So let's make this a high priority. We say, you know, I'm going to be here. And I'm going to go on this journey for the next six weeks, and I'm going to dive deeper with God. And so we've are on this. we we've, we've done the connect part. Now we're going to do the center part. How do I go deeper with him? Center my life on him. Why? Because we want to see change happen. And we've heard some great testimonies, and we're looking for more testimonies of the changed life that God can do inside of us. When we hand it over to him, he can do a work inside of you more than you could ever ask or imagine. So let's go on this journey together. Bow your heads with me. Father God, we thank you for this day. Father, thank you for your scriptures. Thank you, thank you, Father, that you give us give it to us pretty simply. The purpose: love you, love our neighbor, and love ourselves. Father, very honestly, life gets in a way. Satan uses things of life to be distractions, to be discouragers, to be uh, things that just get us down and out. Father, help us to learn how to walk in this life with all the the issues and the things that go on. Help us to walk with the Spirit at the center, so we're connected to you. And we learn to walk as Jesus walked. That we walk in that way. Father, as we do that, help us to grow. Help us to grow so that we can do what Jesus did. And that possibly, Lord, we even do greater things than he has done. Father, we want to shine your your light brightly in this place. We want Jesus to be known in his community and beyond. And so, Father, do that through us. Work that through us. Lord, as we move in this time of communion, we say thank you. Thank you that you loved us so much you gave us your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross. And Father, as we pick up these emblems this morning, we picked up the juice to remind us of the blood that was sacrificed. We pick up this cracker to remind us of your body that was, that was given. And Father, we're also reminded that it didn't end at the cross. You rose from the grave and conquered death. And so we celebrate you, Lord, this morning as we receive this time of communion together. We honor you. We, we praise you. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.